following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. I have to ask, did you guys plan on the boar worm thing as you were talking about the earworm? Was that was that scripted? Nope. No. That was awesome. <laughs> Eric is so damn good at this. Eric is so damn good at this. And I was, and I've just been sitting, I've been sitting here the whole episode, just wondering, like, what song was going to get worked in so we could listen to it at the end of the show. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is minute fifty-one. Yeah, it is minute 61 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how you doing tonight? Well, Brad, did you know that it's astounding? Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. <coughs> Sorry, wrong move. God, is there a, is there a Rocky Horror Minute? Oh, you know, I don't think there is. I wonder if that would, I wonder if that would work. Now, there have been, like, Beauty and the Beast Minute and... The Disney guys doing their fantastic work, so they have done musicals. Yeah, there have been musicals. Yeah, there must there must be a Rocky Horror Minute. So if if it's not there, someone's planning on it. So uh, we have back with us Curtis Blaze from the upcoming Clueless Minute. Curtis, how are you? Ah, Clueless Clue. There are there was a Clueless Minute. A Clue Minute. Quit trying to make Clueless Minute happen. It's not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> Hey everybody, Curtis plays. Uh, gonna be on the Clue Minute upcoming next season. It's so I'm so glad to be back. Yesterday was a lot of fun. You guys were a blast. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, and we get to, uh, as uh, Eric referenced, we get the we, we get to see Richard O'Brien from the writer and also Riff Raff from uh, the Rocky Art Picture Show. He's back. And he starts off by something, saying something really stupid. Yeah, there must be a way to dispose of the Earthling and keep faith with the princess. Even before that, where he says he doesn't know what Baron sees in her. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, he's he's questioning really? his leader's uh, yeah his his taste, which I mean, she's the hottest babe in the universe. Yeah, I- even if you think it's a bad idea. Really, you don't know what he sees in her? <laughs> I remember, this is a, a little bit off the path. I remember uh, I was dating, it was, uh, when I was dating my wife, and uh, she had a very good friend, uh, and they were co-workers, and both extremely beautiful young women. Uh, them and they also had a third friend who were sort of known as the Charlie's Angels of their office because they were all three were stunningly beautiful, and all, but also had like very different looks. And uh, her friend ended up dating my friend. And uh, he, he, he was sort of a... And not that he wasn't a good-looking guy, but he was a little short, a little skinny, and uh, really loved his tattoos. And there he was with this statuesque, gorgeous uh, woman with this wonderful figure. And he, I remember he said to me, he's like, yeah, when we started dating, they didn't understand why we were dating each other. He's like, wait a minute, they didn't understand why you were dating her? And he just stopped and he realizes, like, oh, okay, yeah, you're a jerk, Brad. 
So, but that, that's the thing. It's like, really, Riff Raff, you, you don't get what he sees in her. Take a look for the love of God. Well, how many eligible women are there in this universe? If you really break it down. Well, we don't see any women on our board yet at any point in this movie at all. Ever. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I all, mean, the wi- uh, all, all the women were back in Mung- Mungo City there during, uh, you know, Ma, uh, Ming's grand entrance. All the scantily clad women. They, he's, he's got them all in his city. He's got them all in his bedroom. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, I don't know what, uh, what Riff Raff is thinking here, but that's all right. But then he says uh, more dumb stuff, as Eric was alluding to, because I, the logic just so fails me. In, in this and the following minutes where Baron's going to so much effort to, you know, tr- try to, you know, f- read the fine print to find a way to kill Flash. First off, if you want to kill him, just kill him. Yeah, right. And make up a story later. Right. Why go through this whole elaborate scheme? Uh, well, I think I always, my interpretation was that he was going through that whole scheme because he didn't want Aura to hate him. Because right. Aura obviously has a thing for him. Right, but I mean, like Brad's saying, he could just kill Flash and just make up some story, you know? Or, like, you know, feed him to some giant swamp creature. Be like, oh, you know, he slipped and fell in the lake. We never saw him again. Yeah, it's, uh, he's he's trying way too hard to, you know, get Flash to slip on a particular banana peel. And instead he's like, just, just, just drown him and then say, he's like, uh... He he went out for cigarettes and he hasn't come back. (laughs) Well, he certainly tried. He's got him in the... He's got him in the cage that's submerged in the swamp. So, like, if his hands slip, if he gets too weak and he falls down overnight, which I guess that's how they keep people overnight, he might drown, and then, you know, that could take care of him. Yeah, so uh, then we, we go to Flash, and as uh, Curtis just alluded to, they're in the, uh, they're in the swamp, they're in a, a, a crate in the swamp, and... Eric, do you feel like there was a missing scene here because uh, Flash is really chummy with this Hawkman? Yeah, he's, he's like, come on, you can do it. And he's like, no, Flash, uh, it's no good. I don't have anything left. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely, I don't know how long Flash has been in the cage at this point. It can't have been that long, though, but they, they clearly have already bonded as fellow prisoners. I am so glad you guys brought this up. I was feeling like a horrible guest because I saw this, that Hawkman's talking to him. I'm like, where did that Hawkman come from? I was <laughs> rewinding the movie to every scene before that. Like, was he on that ship when they were like talking telepathically? No, he wasn't in the background there. I was just going back and walking it back and walking it back. And it's like, I do not see this guy anywhere. <laughs> And I was hoping to just get get away with it. Like, oh, okay, maybe maybe they just won't catch on that I didn't know that. <laughs> no, he just sort of shows up, and he's just there. And I, it makes sense that they have a prisoner that is a Hawkman. Um, because but it doesn't know, make sense that he's friends with, that he's this close to friends with Flash. And it, it feels like there should have been, there's a scene on the cutting room floor or it could just be Flash is such a good guy uh, that he's like he, he wants the Hawkman to live. He 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 wants everyone to make it, and he's already has talked a little bit. It's like hey, we have to. He, he was already talking to Baron about we got to team up, and now he's trying to team up with the people. In the, he just always wants to team up, and you know I, I guess when you're surrounded by normally surrounded by uh, the New York Jets, you're willing to team up with anybody else on a drop of a hat. <laughs> 
He's like, listen, eventually they're going to hire Kotite to be our coach. I know any other team is better than this. Uh, well, also, why the Hawkman, like, I mean, why is the Hawkman having so many? He's like, I can't stay up. I can't do it. I mean, I don't know. Or like, or, you know, his wings so wet, they're pulling him under. I mean, the Flash is not struggling as much as the Hawkman is. Well, the wings should be a little bit waterproof, shouldn't they? I mean, they're kind of plasticky. <laughs> you mean? Oh, the, I mean... Just wings in general are... Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, there's a whole expression about water off a duck's back because, you know, those wings are waterproof, so... Or feathers in general. So it's... And, it, yeah, and you're right. It, it, This is something that could have been explained by that other scene where you find out that the Hawkman had been there for a week or two weeks or whatever, and which would explain why he's so tired while Flash, you know, his hair isn't even messed up. Right. The only time they get any rest from not hanging out in the swamp is when they are when they have the cage lifted and they're putting someone new in. Which, you know, by the way, I, I don't know why they even need to lift the cage to put someone new in. I mean, just open up the lid and shove someone in there, you know? Yeah, this may not be the most logical part of this movie, which, jeez. Remind me, remind me what we're calling these guys, the forest men, the tree men? Uh, I just call them the Arboreans. Okay, well, the Arborians. The Arborians, not uh, not exactly conforming to UN standards of treatment for prisoners. <laughs> Listen, the Arborians are terrible. They are terrible people. Yeah, they, they really are. I mean, at least the Hawkmen have you know a bacchanalian fun about them. You know, these Arborians—they're all serious. They're all into scorpion ceremonies and hanging people in the swamps. I mean, this is a this is an insane culture. That guy doesn't even get to say goodbye to his mom. He might, <laughs> it might take him days to die of madness, but nope. Sword right through the heart. Yeah, yeah. Their ceremonies suck. Their boss is willing to you know, drop everything on the drop of a hat for his girlfriend. And then he gives his word, and then he's immediately like trying to figure out a way to drown or stab or whatever, flash. The Arborians suck. There's no women... Oh, and by the way, they keep prisoners basically in the same conditions that the Viet Cong did. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you you half expect there to see, you, you know, M- McCain in that in that crate with him. And it's like, what are you doing here? It's like, trust me, I, I, this is just what happens to me. This this is the same thing that happened to Rambo in, Rambo in First Blood Part 2. Wasn't there a scene uh, like this in Deer oh, Hunter? Yeah. yeah, and Missing in Action also. Isn't Chuck Norris in one of these things? Right, right. Yeah, that was a that wasn't a great era for movies. <laughs> it's just all right. Everyone's going to be like, and usually in a crucifix-like pose, they'd be submerged, and then and then there would always be leeches too. Those are the worst. Oh yeah, leeches. So yeah, at least at least there were no leeches. There was a snake guy, but no leeches. Give it to this guy. He during this movie. I didn't didn't shy away from getting dirty for any reason. No, no. Uh, and this boy, this scene is icky. Um, I just can't imagine. Everyone must have gotten sick who was in that crate afterwards. Well, you got you know the the people in the lizard man costume. I mean, they certainly have it the worst, and and not just because of. You know, the water that I'm sure was seeping into their costume, but Ugh. it just the costume itself. This this is a this is a bad minute 
we we love the costumes in this uh, movie, but this is a bad minute for costuming because it's clearly a hood not connected to the body on this lizard man costume at one point in a close up in this shot. <laughs> Uh, th- that guy, he deserved hazard pay for, for this scene because, first off, I bet he could barely breathe in the best of scenarios. He probably couldn't see for anything worthwhile, and so then, you know, ugh, he, he was probably suffocating the whole time. And then it, it, and then imagine the smell. Ugh. No. Yeah, ugh. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, but it's all worth it for entertainment. Well, I, I, I want to go back to... Uh... Fico, the Richard O'Brien character, there were a couple of things with, with uh, him there. Uh, first, I don't know why. You know, sometimes there are lines in movies or TV shows that stick with you. You have no idea why. You find them funny for whatever reason. No one else does. and But for whatever reason, it just sticks with you. When I was a kid, um, Baron says to him, you know, keep playing your bloody pipe. And I, have, I, I, I don't know why. I always found that line so awesome and so hysterical. Ah, just keep playing your bloody pipe. I, I I have no explanation for it. I didn't have one. If you asked me when I was a kid, I probably would have had no explanation for it then. But I always have loved that line for some reason. It, it is a striking line. First off, it's not the most pleasant sounding of instruments. <laughs> and also just the idea of, you know, there's future James Bond sitting there. <laughs> and he's like, uh, keep playing. It's like, really? And, and that's, that's what you, that, that's your thinking music? And also just the ridiculousness of, I get it, he probably, Baron probably didn't have a Walkman, um, <laughs> but also just that one of his, basically one of his soldiers and somebody who's a confident, but also part of their job is to like, you know, play magic flute music for this guy <laughs> while he, uh, you know, is being pensive. It's a ridiculous scene and, and very funny. Uh, it, it, it does, it, it is one of those uh, sort of, interactions that pop at you well this brings up two things uh, for me the first thing's small that second side of the pipe the left side that thing's not connected to the real pipe that's clearly a recorder with some sort of decorative snake thing on it then the other thing is just sticking off to the side if you look that thing isn't connected to the other thing so when he's fingering that it's not actually making any noise all the noise comes out of the right side Uh, yeah that's uh and o'brien's in a an accomplished musician, um, as said, he he wrote uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, wrote the music for that, and so yeah, so basically they just said, hey, here's here's a recorder, let's pretty this up so it doesn't look like a recorder, and uh, there he was. Well, and then the other thing, it's more speculative just for us to talk about. Queen, a rock band, did the score for this movie. In universe, besides horrible recorder music played live badly um what did they listen to for entertainment you know like in ming's court you would expect there to be entertainment of some sort people playing drums and pipes and dancing ladies things like that especially kind of given the whole fu manchu you know situation that i'm sure you guys have talked about 153 times so far it's come up. In Star Wars, they have jizz wailing music. Hey, hey, PG thirteen show now. Come on now. <laughs> so what? So what do they have in Flash Gordon? Like, what's the what's the music these guys listen to? Yeah, that's a good point. This is the only incidental music, right, in the whole movie. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's the only in-universe music, yeah. and 
that's a good question because it's such a weird this movie does such has such a fun job of the mix of old world and futuristic where on, on one hand it, it wouldn't be completely out of hand to, to to have what at the time was the futuristic uh, queen sound that they went for where that would actually make sense well and they had access to earth culture but on the other hand Every, there's also like all the old timey stuff where you could imagine it being sort of a uh, you know a medieval court uh, feel in Ming's kingdom where you could see them being like a jester with you know basically just her outfit but with a little bit of like some modern coloring or modern material uh, and him you know, and then having like the, the, the chamber orchestra playing I could see either happening really well I, I could see I could see the Hawkmen liking metal, maybe black metal. Just whenever they fly, they look like the cover of a metal album. They do. I gotta <laughs> imagine somewhere there is a a metal album with Hawk, some sort of artistic take of the Hawkmen on it. That, that has to happen, I'm right? I'm thinking like Rush or Meatloaf, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, probably the. Uh... The Arboreans like a lot of Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, that would uh, that'd be a thing. It's like, why is why does how does Brian Adams still sell so many albums? It's like, oh, we know, <laughs> we know everything I do, I do it for you, God. <laughs> well, come on, uh, come on, let's uh, come on, uh, let's, let's throw that song out. He had good stuff before. That that's that's when he started to, to sting. He had good stuff before. Don't worry, folks. That is not the Brian Adams song that's going to play at the end of this episode. Oh, it better not be. Oh. <laughs> oh. It won't be that, and it won't be the one that he did with Sting and Rod Stewart from uh, Three Musketeers. My villainous plot has been has been foiled. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, anyway. Hey, speaking of songs, uh, Richard O'Brien mentions Flash Gordon in the first verse of Science Fiction Double Feature, which is the opening song to Rocky Horror Picture Show. The line is, and Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. <gasps> what year? 1975. Nice! Wow! That is amazing. Yeah. He must have been a fan, right? I wonder if it... If I wonder heard... if he was really trying to get this role. If he was you mm. know, excited about, you know, being part of this movie, and th- there's a you know, very strong London cast, and I wonder if there was people he knew, um, and, and he was, I was like, yeah, I just want to roll, and you, you need someone to play some music, I'm the guy. That happens frequently in this movie, where there is some, okay, well, I mean, I guess I'm starting my conversation in the middle of it. I, I was going to agree with you. Yes, it definitely seems like that's what happened, and other places in the movie, it seems like there are background characters that have no reason to interact with the main characters that still do, which is unusual for movies. They usually, they usually like just have main characters interacting with other main characters and background characters don't ever come in and add color that way, especially in sort of, you know, genre films like this and science fiction. Yeah. I, I would like to know we've, um, had some chance to, uh, talk with some people uh, who have awareness of some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and apparently it was a friendly cast. Um, you know, Sam Jones apparently is a delight. Um, and 
it's and because of sort of the improvish feel uh, that the director had because he didn't know what he was doing um I think there was a, some chance to sort of break some of those rules and to have more interaction. So, and I think the movie is better for it. I agree. I wish more movies would do that. All right. Well, uh, this has been another great minute. And uh, Curtis, you're gonna you're gonna come back tomorrow, correct? I'm not gonna leave. I'm just gonna hang out. So, right, so we you're recording. not going to go back to your flesh for a minute provided hotel room for the night. You're gonna sleep <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm liking this chair. It's comfortable. I'm going to stay. Very good. Well, it's been uh, so much fun. Uh, once again, Curtis, can you tell people where to find out about the upcoming Clue Minute? Well, you can simply go to clueminute.com. I'm also, you know, you can look up Clue Minute on Twitter, Clue Minute on Facebook. I've got the song done. I don't have the art done. It's a work in progress. I'm on pre-production right now. Who's doing your music? Oh, oh! You're totally catching me off guard because I know the guy's name. Uh, if you give me five minutes, I can look. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. T- I'll tell you tomorrow what his name was. Sounds great. Sounds great. Uh, in fairness, uh, yeah, it's always uh, interesting to see where the music comes from. Uh, so looking forward to hearing that. Um, Eric, where do we have? Um, what do we have come? Where can people find out more about our show on on the interwebs? On the internets, they can find out more on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. We love to chat with you. We also love to chat with you on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, and we love to chat with you over email, which is Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. Yeah, we ask for our, kindly ask for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. It helps get us out to more people. Uh, Eric, this has been another great minute, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, some, I just. Some more crazy stuff happening. Uh, this is great. It's exciting. But uh, I, I'm a little creeped out. Creeped out? I'm, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. And just watching Flash in that dirty, dirty freaking swamp is just icking me out. Oh, okay. So if you're someone who usually likes to shower like seven times a day... If your skin's running all raw because it just, just scrub, 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 scrub. If you're wearing latex gloves just to open a door, don't worry about all that stuff. The botulinum and the listeria or whatever that stuff is that the Lysol spray kills. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.